I mean, that is a lot of commitments in a very small amount of time. Remember that year? It was like one summer and they got like 18 in like four or five days. Oh, yeah. How did those dudes pan out? I'd have to go back and look. Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place where Franklin State's in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 26th. It feels weird to say that, that like basically the month of January is essentially over, but it, it is, which means that um, we have some football stuff to talk about. Typically, this time of year, you know, you're you're either getting ready for signing day, or I guess what used to be traditional signing day, um, or you're talking about visits. and And certainly, Virginia has been busy on the recruiting front, so we'll talk about that. And also, you know, obviously, the Cavaliers are in the thick of their ACC slate. Some interesting results to to deal with over the last week. Uh, obviously, they got the doors blown off in Raleigh, and then came back and uh, ended Chris Mack's tenure in Louisville. Um, he, he seemed happier after getting fired, which is not typically the way that works. Anyway, we will discuss all of that and then some uh, before we get started. Let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, my friend? Going pretty good. It's freezing up here, so uh, stay warm tonight, my friends. Who Dave's on the board, at Who Dave's on Twitter. Is it technically freezing, or is it just... Because, see, I'm one of these like, people, like, if you say the word... What's the real feel? Yeah, <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's the wet bowl? We're going to be near zero tonight, so yeah, Ooh. it's going to be real filled chilly. Oh, okay. Well, see, here I was making jokes, and it's actually going to be really cold. Because, see, I'm one of these people, like, if you say tons, my brain goes, wait, really? Because if it's not a thing that you can measure. Anyway, um, up in, uh, God, I always want to say Arlington. Why do I want to this? They made that joke about me always messing up where you live, Ferber, and it's it's apparently correct. I'll be really glad when you move to Charlottesville. I won't forget well, that. Well, it's actually funny because I am in Arlington right now. It, see, I was like, I have a sixth sense, right? No. Nah, in Arlington, not. staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. What's going on, dude? I'm in loud and I was just messing with oh, um, you got my hopes up for nothing. We wasted the good surprise on you. Anyway, yeah, so so we got Dave doing weather. Damon obviously will do sports, so I guess I have to do traffic. Um uh, sure. What wait, what does that mean I do? You're in the right place to do traffic. You're, oh you're you're at the desk. Um you're definitely you're just commanding the ship from the commanding desk, the from ship. desk. All right, all right. I'll yeah. Um, yeah, so the traffic's pretty light here in uh, Loudon. So I just underscore for on Twitter where the internet traffic is picking up. <laughs> I was going to say, you, we should ask you about the internet traffic. That's what we should ask yeah. you about, you know, if all the servers are online and such. Um, the aforementioned managing editor, Damon Dillman and Charles, was also on the program. Uh, I don't, Damon, I don't know if I can keep doing the, the thing where I ask you questions. Just tell me, how, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I like how you really contemplated it for a second. You're like, am I really okay? How am I doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. It was you a know. good check-in. It was a good check-in. Strikes, like strikes and gutters, ups and downs, <laughs> at Damon Dillman on Twitter. <laughs> Cavs Corner, also Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional way to banter. Guys, I got to tell you a funny story, though. Before we get, we, We're going to start with football, but I got to tell you a funny story. So the other day, I don't know how I did this, 
Okay, I don't know how I did this. But I thought the game I thought the game started at 4:30, okay? I don't know why. I don't have any like discernible reason as to why I thought the game started at 4:30. Right? NC State thought it started at 4:32. <sighs> no, NC State started, you know, UVA start thought it started at 4:32. Um, I get out of the shower and I'm like, I think I've got like 20 minutes before the game starts or whatever. And I go to Twitter and there's like a whole lot of tweets. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I was like, did they, whatever. And like, what happened in warmups? <laughs> exactly. And then I like turned it on and I'm, it's, uh, you know, it's already past like the under uh, 12 and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, what? And yeah, I was, I was, I was super duper, duper confused. Um, but, uh, so then I was convinced for a little while there that I was the jinx because, you know, they were playing pretty well. And yeah, what was the score it, when you turned it on? Like twenty-two to five. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and then it, and then, uh, yeah, then then the tide turned quickly. Now I will say, for those of you who want to throw things at me, I actually did turn it off at halftime, uh, going into halftime to see if you know if I could help some some mojo. And it look, I don't think I don't think Ralph Sampson would have helped their mojo on Saturday. Anyway, let's let's talk about football. Um, Cavaliers have run off a very. Um, uh, I don't know. I wrote a column about how they're moving the needle, and then boom, there was commitments everywhere. Damon can be my 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 witness, though. I said I was going to write a column well before all that happened, so just putting that out there. Um, I can confirm. He can confirm, nor will he uh, deny. No, I can. Yeah. So I don't know, man. That's a lot of dudes in a short amount of time. Um, certainly, a, a lot of help on the offensive line. How are we feeling about um, the returns thus far? Um, obviously. You know, not all um, not all commitments are created equal. And, you know, Dave and I were talking before you guys got on the line. Uh, you know, God, what summer was that? Was it like the summer of 2019? They ran off like it was like three or four of, uh, days of just nothing but commitments. Or they had like eight in like a 24-hour period at one point. But anyway, um, somebody fact-checked me on that and um, send your tweets to at Justin underscore Ferber. Um, there was one time before I was with Cat's Corner where I was writing for another publication. Which we don't, um, we won't talk about because they're mean <laughs> to us. No, I'm kidding. No, nah, they're good. They're good. They're fine folks over there. Um, but yeah, like there was, I remember, you know, we would do like a little article for every commitment and there was one like stretch. This was like 2013 where they, I swear they had like 12 commits in like two days. Um, was that when like Dante Wilkins committed? And I remember Dante later Wilkins. Was, I remember one of them was LeChaston Smith. That That's like one thing I, I remember. Yeah, there was a flurry of them. Uh, I remember Dante it was in the summer. Was part of a, fl- a summer flurry at one point. I don't know why he's the one that stick. And uh, uh, I just remember every time I put one up on the site, I'd have to like turn around and like do it again for someone else. Lachaston hmm. Smith. Did they move yeah. him to linebacker? They did. Yep. They did. All right, let's not let's not go down the rabbit hole of your. And stay in the present, um, because if we start talking about dudes, that's a good off-season podcast. The most random person you can think of. The other day, what was, it, was that yesterday? Just and, anyone you can think of. <laughs> Hippolito Corporate. Um, name someone. <laughs> name someone now. No, what was it? Who I don't know who would the texter and said something like, "Who's going to be the next commit transfer or whatever?" And I was like, Curtis Grant. That was yeah. one of the best pulls of my entire life for the record. The captain of the captain of the they almost got him. The, the what if Mike London All Stars. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the guys they actually got. How are we feeling about this, Dave? Let's start with you. Um, what's what's your general sense of of uh, of the returns in the last week or so? Well, I was pretty bullish going into the weekend. I don't know why. I just when Curry committed on Friday, um, having not visited, even though he had 
just done an interview. It was an interview with Damon. And like, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, David, but he said it like he liked to visit Washington State and UVA before he made a decision. Yeah, he commits I, on Friday before doing either. I talked to him on Wednesday, and as of Wednesday, he was planning to visit both. He didn't know which weekend he'd be here, which weekend he was going to fly out there. Uh, and yeah, I texted him to see if he'd made up his mind and he texted and like, he, he announced his commitment and then texted me yeah. back. He said, I'll be in UVA next week. <laughs> so yeah, it, uh, it all escalated really quickly. So you're yeah, saying he's not going to make it to the Palouse? He is not making that trip to the Palouse. He has since canceled oh. those plans. Bum, so bum, bum. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. Anyway, as soon as that happened, like, I was like, well, cause I believe his, his commitment tweet was like, after a talk with coach Elliot and coach 2j i was like oh maybe elliot's a closer and then you start seeing who's you know coming in for the weekend and i think i texted three or four commitments but yeah I, it was just out of my butt but it worked um look i mean i like it offensive line recruiting is not an exact science you know you get a makai beckton and morgan moses every now and then but a lot of the guys who end up you know becoming all americans you know it's if there's a position where stars are a little more, you know, a little more variability in uh, ranking versus output, it's definitely the lines on, you know, offensive line in, in particular. So, look, they didn't sign five Mc- <laughs> Beckton's, but they signed five dudes. And um, I mean, sorry, got five commitments. So, including Hollensteiner, who are really big on. Like, I think there's some potential in all of them. And that, a lot, a lot of what the offensive line is, it, it's a numbers game, right? You, you get guys with the frame and you with the right attitude and you get them in, you, you bulk them up and see who can still move at those bigger sizes and against bigger dudes. So, you know, and I think that's – you've got to be excited just for the fact they added bodies because going into that, like, it was going to be hard for them to have a two-deep offensive line, you know, through spring ball. And that's not good for development of the program or development of the line. So – you know, getting guys in there um, is certainly big. And then the Brown kid, they added the defensive end. I really like him. Um, that dude's an athlete. And I don't – I'm sure you've guys have heard it. Maybe this is a post-podcast topic um, discussion. But, like, Brown's got, like, that lower body that everyone talks about in defensive linemen. He's got those big old thighs and big rear end, and he can still move. So, I'm excited about him a lot. So, yeah, good weekend. You know, clearly Tony's a closer. Um, and, you know, God forbid they've been everywhere in the last 48 hours too. So, you know, I like the, I like the passion. I like the excitement. Um, hopefully it continues. Ferber, who's your, who's your standout of the, of the guys they've picked up in the last, you know, week or so, which who's, who's the guy that has your attention the most? Yeah, I like Brown a lot. I would have to say Hollensteiner just because he's a guy that can come in and play right away. Um, he's a guy that was certainly coveted by a number of Power 5 schools. Um, not that that's necessary, like Dave said. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean much with offensive linemen. Um, but, yeah, I would expect him to come in and at least compete to play right away, probably start, um, which is crazy because, you know, Georgetown, I don't even think they have scholarships um, for football or not full ones anyway. So, um pretty meteoric rise for him, but that was one where, um, you know, Dave mentioned closing. Um, that was one where they did a really nice job because, um, you know, like I'm, I'll just be frank. Uh, I think that 
the 2022 class, I mean, you have most of those guys signed already. It's sort of like a salvage job to like replace the depth that you lost in the offseason, either through graduation or the transfer portal. Um, and obviously UVA had more of that than most just because of the coaching change and everything else that, you know, happened in the offseason. So um, I think that they really had to backfill a lot of these spots. And I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and criticize them for taking a shot on a guy um, like, like Dawson Alters, for example, who was like a walk-on commit at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, like that, there's no harm done there. I mean, if, if you feel like he fits the criteria and, you know, you've seen film and everything looks good. And I know he plays at a very good high school. Like there's no issue there with me because I know that they just have a need to get guys in and they can't wait around and hope that something falls in their lap. You know, they have to go out and be proactive, but you know, with Hollensteiner, I thought, you know, keeping him from taking that visit to Michigan state or going to Vanderbilt who had just offered him or anywhere else. I don't know exactly what other offers he had, but um, I know, he, you know, like Michigan state was on the radar and all these other schools and, um, you know, keeping him from doing anything like that, you know, Miami just hit a half court shot at the buzzer. Um, I was just going to ask if you guys saw that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like, do I interrupt? That was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think they did a nice job closing. You know, it might not be the most like star studded group, but like I said, I think that this class is sort of a salvage the roster. And then I think in 2023, we'll really get to see what their recruiting chops are, are sort of made of. But I think they brought up a good point with them bringing guys in and being able to end their recruitments as they should with some of these guys based on um, other schools in the mix. I think UVA definitely should have and did, you know, a good job of wrapping up their recruitments. Damon, there's obviously there's one more out there somewhere, um, and 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 I know the the pain of waiting all day, not for Sunday night, waiting all day to for one to pop and then it doesn't happen, which is always the most frustrating thing. Um, except for we were talking before, you know that these things tend to happen in the most inopportune times. I swear to God, for <laughs> for a number of years there, if I went to a movie, Virginia was gonna get a commitment. And it never failed. Um, but there's one more out there. They've obviously got the Thompson kid coming in this weekend. So, I mean, it doesn't feel like things are going to slow down. Um, anytime well, I don't soon. think so either. You know, sorry. What are your, what's your, no, you're good. So I was just going to say, what's, what's next on your radar? Like as you're sort of projecting forward and, and, and looking uh, ahead, what's, what's, what's the next domino? Do you have a guy that you think is, is likely um, to join those ranks? What's, what's your vibe? Yeah, I, 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 no one really springs to mind off the top of my head. Uh, I'm interested to see who comes next. Uh, it's It's been a little challenging getting information out of there early on here. Um, but uh, I do th- I do think the momentum is going to continue just because they've obviously got another visit, a weekend of visits coming up here this weekend. A lot of the guys coming in this weekend are going to be 2023 guys. Um, but I just, everyone I talked to all these kids who commit all the guys who had already signed in December and were here last weekend and, um, and actually met these guys face to face for the first time last weekend, they just, everybody keeps bringing up just the energy and, and just the good vibes that, that, that even the guys who had committed to the previous staff are talking about how the energy is different with this staff. And, um, and that's encouraging, um, uh, it's because 2J was always the guy in the previous staff who had the reputation of being the uh, the the big energetic recruiter. And, and you kind of get the sense that that's kind of been matched by some of these other guys on this staff, which and I mean, we've all seen the pictures. We see like if the fact that uh, if you were putting, you know, 
pins in a map, if that was any indication of energy, those pins would be all over the state and beyond the places they've been over the course of the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think I think they're out there trying to uh, I, obviously offensive line is a big, is a big thing for them still. I think uh, defensive line, they're trying to plug those gaps um, via either the portal or um, 2022s uh, the linemen they brought in. I think a lot of those guys, I think the best way I would frame it is that they're lottery tickets. I don't think there's like you guys kind of talked about. I don't think there's a Morgan Moses or, uh, or Eugene Monroe among them. But, you know, this they they need numbers right now and they've gotten out and they've added to those numbers a little bit. Um, and and what's the worst that happens? One of those guys pans out and turns into a starter two, three, four years down the road. That to me is success. And these guys are you can see what they like in these guys like Curry, who committed on Friday, uh, didn't play at all as a junior because he uh, he was a pitcher blew out his elbow pitching the summer before his junior year and couldn't play football as a junior after having surgery. So you can understand why maybe he was under-recruited. He was also really lean. Um, so, but 2J obviously sees something in him. Bowley, he sees something in too. Obviously they see something in all of these guys or they wouldn't have offered them. But uh, yeah, so it makes, and, and, and you guys were talking about Jones. That to me is probably the kind of guy they're tar- they should be targeting right now. He's a guy who was all set to go to Illinois. And I and think then- I called him Brownbacks, man. That's okay. That's okay. I think I did too. <laughs> I was yeah. About yeah, you that. both did. And I, I listen for the, like the last ten minutes. I have been scrolling everything I can find. Be like, <laughs> how did I miss this dude named Brown? I'm like, and I'm like, so what happens when you get five five commits? <laughs> right. Names and, and Brad, brought, like Brad brought Damon in, and now we can just throw fake commits at him and see if he plays. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, obviously, but, obviously, when they got Zach Bryce, you know, the, over the weekend, that was huge. I'd be like, just, wait yeah. a minute. I'd be like the dad from Philly. Wait a minute. Yeah. No, sorry, Damon. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, but anyway, he was, he was, he was committed to Illinois. And then, you know, in the lead up to the December signing day, he just had a really bad experience uh, on his official visit and decommitted. And obviously that's how a kid like that is still available in the middle of January. And Sintum had, had a good relationship with him even prior to his commitment to Illinois, but they've, they seem to have, they seem to have targeted some, some, quality talent uh i mean pickings are going to be slim now in this modern cycle the way it works now with most of the guys signing in december and just you know a a relative handful of guys available now but you know there are guys out there who for whatever reason may have decommitted uh exploring their options whatever it may be and i think i I almost called him brown i think jones is a uh, is a good is a good example of that of the kind of guy you can maybe if you do your homework and you're out there hustling, you can find guys like that. And I think that's a good example of the kind of guys they should be targeting. And I agree that I think there's a lot of potential there uh, for him for sure. And I think we all kind of agree. We'll see how it pans out with these offensive linemen, but you know, it's, it's worth a roll of the dice at this point. I wonder what would have happened if they didn't have a December signing period, you know, like they probably would have been able to flip more dudes like, yeah. like Jones. Yeah. And well, let's keep in mind the guys that so. everyone that just transferred out. Olu was a walk-on at Air Force, so Boda wasn't very highly recruited. Um, you know, Glazer had some offers. Haskins uh, was a tight end. Haskins had some, you know, a couple offers. So there were none of those guys were four or five stars either. So and, you know, and the same guy develop. who developed and the same guy who developed them is still here. 
Yeah. Well, I think the I mean, offensive you might, line, you know, it's it's long been understood that that offensive line recruiting is one of the hardest things, right? You're going to have a handful of these can't miss dudes who are a certain size and 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 a certain athleticism, and as long as you know, long as they sort of keep it between the lines, you're you're going to be pretty good, right? But there are also these other guys who you you really do have to develop them, and I mean, listen. If you go back and look at offensive line recruiting, one of the problems Virginia's had over the years is that a lot of the guys that they want have have essentially been guys that only they wanted, right? And if you're recruiting to, uh, you know, when you when you're recruiting um, over the course of you know not just the last six years, but now TJ obviously with a a new head coach, it really matters how the fit works, right? Um, and I think that was the thing with with the guys that you know you guys just mentioned, right? Is that like they fit what Virginia wanted to do. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter how highly rated or highly sought after some some guys are. What matters is what you can do with them. And the the fun part about recruiting is when you're you know it's like it's like a game within a game, right? You you're you're able to look at your recruiting class, and if you're doing well, and you've got a bunch of threes and fours, or maybe even some fives or whatever you got, um, you're comparing yourself to others, and you're hoping that you know you're going to have the best class, not just because it means you're going to have, you know, talent on the field, but because you're also going to be able to say like, yeah, we've got the number X, blah, 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 class in the country, the class in the ACC. Um, the, re- the reality is, is that those recruiting classes kind of happen in a vacuum and good players don't just happen because they had good potential. They also have to be developed. They also have to put in the work. Um, and some guys bloom late, you know, nobody who, who watched, you know, Soboda or, or Bobby Haskins, thought that those guys were you know probably going to be successful on the offensive line they thought they'd be a uh, a basketball player or a a tight end right um the reality is is that as you get guys and as you develop them you you can do a lot more with them and I kind of feel like if you look at these dudes a lot of these guys are the kind of guys that 2J's had success with now that being said I don't mean to be the one to 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 rain on the parade (laughs) but if folks thought that like the whole thing is rebuilt in a week that's not really the way it works right um, but it is certainly the cupboard can be restocked, uh, and I think that's that's what it that's what it did. And I think as we talked about before we started recording, you know the the, the offensive line room, while the, it lost a lot of experience and a whole you know bunch of starts, um, there's still talent there, right? And there's still some guys that you're that you should be excited about as things move forward. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And they've go still ahead, got Dan. time to add another transfer or two on the offensive line. Um, now I think we we've been so focused on the offensive line. To me, like another defensive lineman would be good. I would agree not with that. too, yeah. Especially with waiting for some clarity on Fumui's situation, um, who is listed on the roster, but whether he's KTing it or I haven't seen anyone announce he's withdrawn from the portal. So, um, I mean, I'm assuming he's back because they put him on the roster, but it'd be nice to get some clarity there. Um, and then maybe a maybe what a defensive I was, back. What I was told was what I was told was that he is back uh, at least was expected to be back for the first meeting last week. When, when, when we saw he was on the roster, I checked in and uh, yeah, like I said, was, uh, was told that uh, he was expected to be at that first team meeting and go through workouts. So since we haven't heard any otherwise, since I am operating under the assumption that he's here. Yeah. Maybe he's still in the portal. He's like, Oh, I'm still in there. (laughs) (laughs) Crap. How do I withdraw? What do I do? <laughs> and good luck. Just just before you finish up with football, like um, I don't think I said it on the lot, but yeah, like so Kitchings, Elliot, and Tuje, was it yesterday, Justin? They were Oceanside, 
watching um got they've guys been name them. everywhere yeah, yeah they've been everywhere they were in oceanside then they were in the south carolina and then they were in phoenix in the yeah, last they went to south carolina or hours. georgia or wherever i think it's charleston to watch a basketball game um like one like an offensive lineman recruit um like they they sent the whole group and then they were you said they were in phoenix too today? yeah pinnacle pinnacle high school that was yeah and i know like Sinton was in jersey today and um there was another one downing was in florida slade was in georgia um it's kind of nice having being there like these high school coaches like posting this stuff so we don't have to like track it down <laughs> you know where they where they're going but i mean like i can tell you like elliot and 2j and all those guys they've been up here a lot um the last few days in northern virginia and obviously they made their rounds at the 757 and i'm sure they've been to richmond and all over the place so um the tour continues but i mean yeah i think i think it's good i think it's it's good to you know, see them kind of start in virginia and you know go from there but then also i'm sure tony elliott has relationships with a lot of guys you know, down in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, same with Kitching students, you kind of recruit the same area. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of, you know, check back in with those coaches that, you know, and be like, Hey, I'm head coach now. <laughs> Just a reminder, you know, <laughs> did you, did you um, see the news? Did you get the press release? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, kind of part of it and just kind of like try to establish relationships, but um, yeah. And, and I, I think it's awesome what they're doing. Um, and, and I, in no way am I meaning to diminish it, but I will say like, you know, Bronco and his staff, they might not have done a very good job recruiting the state of Virginia, but they didn't do this too. Like they tried. Um, they just might, I don't think they were able to um, win in the long run. Right. Like with relationships and stuff. And I think that's where this staff, I don't think like they're going to flip to 2023 and you're going to just see like dudes rolling in left and right five-star recruits. Um, but I think they're going to win some like marathon recruitments and like, win with relationships that's just my take yeah i was actually it's really nice that was a really nice setup for because i was actually going to go back to that. i mentioned in my column that i had a source tell me that um uva was going to have visited more schools in like the first five days more in-state schools in the first five days than the previous staff did in like five years now i i think you're right i think in the beginning there was definitely when they first got there they definitely tried yeah they tried Here's the thing, and and again, I don't mean this as any disrespect. I'm just calling it the spade a spade. I think that their experience at BYU and Broncos' sort of idea of what he, uh, of who he, of like where his program sort of was um, when he got there, they really did think there was going to be a lot more. What you remember how they used to refer to it as selecting? They didn't. They didn't refer to it as like recruiting. They like to call it mm-hmm. selecting. And I really think that he went to those schools and introduced himself to people. And he just thought that, okay, you now, now we'll get to the selecting part because they, they kind of assumed and, and expected that because their pool of recruits at BYU was smaller, that they would have more kids to choose from um, when they got to way BYU. less political too. probably Exactly. And so I think they thought it was going to be easier to recruit at UVA to easier to recruit into the ACC. And Ultimately, they, I don't think that they, they, you know, you mentioned a marathon recruitments. They certainly got into a few of them, but they were almost all 2J, right? Those, those long recruitments were, were typically, you know, guys that, that were on the offensive line. Otherwise, UVA had a, a, kind of had a reputation on the trail for really hard-selling kids, right? Be on a kid, give them, you know, 48 hours, 24 hours, whatever, to, to accept the offer or they would move on. And that, that turns some people off really quick, really fast. Um, not just in terms of like specific high schools, but 
in general. Like a lot of these coaches talk. And so I think, yeah, they definitely did that at first. And I think then it was the next step. And I think with these guys, clearly like the relationship piece is going to be important to them. And I think that's going to be the only way. You're going to have to get in some recruitments where you, you're in it for a while and then you lose. But you're going to have to keep going back to these high schools and you can't just like abandon them and go to Georgia or to Louisiana or to Florida and think like these schools aren't going to notice. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very glad that, um, you know, the Joey Blunts and the Dontavian Wicks of the world chose UVA. I've loved covering those guys. So don't please don't mishear me, though. But when it comes to like if you're if your stated goal is to turn around your in-state recruiting, you got to keep recruiting in-state. And they got to a point where it was like, hey, we can't continue to spend the time here when we're not getting anything from it. We got to move. Yeah. And that's they exactly went to where the guys felt. were. It, they felt it felt like they were like, you know what? Like, if you're just playing the odds, it's like this guy's like a, a low four star recruit, but we have like a lower chance to get him. So we won't really waste time trying. We'll just go to, I don't know, Pittsburgh and get like a similar quality player with less drama. But it's like then you don't establish relationships like in the state. You know, if you're not like pushing hard for guys, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. And that, I, I mean, honestly, you mentioned like the marathon recruitments. You're right. I think a lot of like what they did was they got guys early that they evaluated and liked um, and they were able to fit for the culture. And then they got a bunch of dudes like that they kind of found, you know, under mm-hmm. the radar guys yeah. that didn't have offers, but they didn't win a lot of like, oh, it's UVA and UNC and Tech and Miami and you know, like, we'll see what happens. Like, they didn't win many of those. Um, you know, like, Logan Taylor is one that's an example of one they got. But, like, um, yeah, they didn't really stick around in, like, these recruitments that come down to signing day, right? And if they did, a lot of times they didn't get the guys. Yeah, and I think what was interesting, too, is that when you think about, I mean, <laughs> if, I mean, again, we can, you know, years from now, we'll, all, we'll, we'll really look back on the Bronco era, and I think we'll have a much better frame. But it's really easy to look at it, the pass, and go, Bryce Perkins, Kurt Benkirk, and, like, a bunch of dudes from Louisiana really did change the whole trajectory, right? Um, now, Bryce in and of himself, I mean, that's a, that's a significant one. I don't want to gloss over, you know, a guy like Joe Reed. You know, there, there, were, there were some in-state guys who were important to them, so please don't mishear me. I just think that on the average, they realized that like they couldn't keep chasing good money after bad, so to speak, and they needed to sort of focus on the places where the players were going to be more likely to choose them. And the problem was is that those guys could have been in-state kids if they had continued to um, to really kind of recruit them. Um, I, I think they much they they, they seem to have a, a mindset of we're going to go to these schools when they have a kid to go to, right? Whereas I think this staff understands like you go everywhere. You recruit everywhere always because you need to be there for that kid when he's a junior. You need to be there when he's a freshman, right? You need to be there before there's like, you know, high level talent there so that people know who you are. That relationship is is already built and you're not trying to play catch up because let me tell you what, a lot of these schools, one of the reasons that Virginia has been such a, um, you know, such a leaky state for the in-state schools is because other teams are prioritizing them and they're recruiting them. And those schools have the bounce to be able to come in late on a kid and say, Hey, you know, we, we, we understand you have this really talented player. Um, so I think ultimately the, the idea that like, they're not just going to go to places where they think they can pull kids. They're also going to go to places where they know they want eventually to pull kids. And that seems to be, you know, a really big focus, um, in state. So 
All right. Anything else on the football side before we move over to basketball? Good. All right. Let's let's dance on Chris Mack's uh, untimely grave in Louisville. Um, I I think it's hysterical that in all of the years, <laughs> in all of the years for a Virginia team to get somebody fired in the middle of the season, that this is the one that did it. I just think that that is hysterical to me. Um, and what's what's crazy is that Louisville. I mean, look, they had had some really rough go of it lately, but. I mean, that thing in the first half was ugly, and Louisville made the second half, you know, made it at least somewhat interesting in spots until Virginia really pulled away. Um, and then, you know, I've never been a big Chris Mack guy. Um, he's always been a little bit too volatile for me. And I'll be honest, I was really sad that they did a Zoom because um, I, I was pretty sure I was going to be watching his last press conference um, and then didn't get a chance to. Um, but anyway, I feel like on the on the basketball front, so much of what we saw this week explains sort of what we've seen all season, right? They go to Raleigh and they, um, you know, like I said, they just got boat raced. They come back home and they felt that felt more like Virginia basketball. And granted, Louisville has a lot more talent than Louisville has shown this season, which is why their coach just got fired. Uh, I tweeted about this. I have no idea how the Withers kid doesn't start. Uh, he played seven minutes. I watched that kid in like spring of 2018 and was like sure he was going to be like an all ACC guy. Uh, the Williamson kid, who I believe was a five star, he didn't score. He took one shot, played 14 minutes. Um, I just don't know what what's going on. And I mean, obviously that's why the dude got fired. Um, I, I let's start a little bit of a, a roundtable here. Um, the thing that stands out to me most about this game is one, they did play something that felt a lot more like UVA basketball. But beyond that, it's Reese Beekman because. I've never seen a dude have as big an impact on a game and score two points. Um, seven rebounds, 11 assists. He just felt like he, at times, dictated this thing. And maybe that's what UVA needs him to be. Um, not necessarily that you want him to take two shots in a game. No. But UVA put four dudes in double figures in this game. Um, Keyhead Clark was three of seven from deep. Um, they, weren't, they weren't, like, crisp in a lot of ways, but they, they were gritty. They fought hard. There was a lot of, you know, as, as Tony likes to talk about, there was a lot of, uh, you know, scramble. Like, they, they just really, I thought they really got after defensively. Um, Louisville made it kind of easy on them in spots because I don't know, some of the stuff that they were running was just kind of ridiculous. Um, but I'm just curious what you guys think, uh, it, what what the takeaway was from this one. Is it just that Reese Beekman is an insanely talented player and he kind of makes everybody better? Um, what's what's the what's the gist? Dave, let's start with you. What's your What's your feel coming out of all this? I mean, it's about the same as it was going into the weekend. You know, this team, the margin's so thin. Um, you know, even that, even the Louisville game, which, you know, they ended up winning comfortably, it got pretty close. And there was a, I can't remember who took it, but there was a late three in the shot clock. I think they were down maybe six or four even. And it was a deep three they got late in the shot clock. It's one that everyone always makes against Virginia, and they had just made a ton of shots. For some reason, they missed it, and then Virginia scored and kind of pulled away. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I think if NC State and Louisville during the the comeback Louisville had, it, it just shows you like if you can spread Virginia out and attack them off the dribble, and they have to kind of help and react, they just don't have the wing athletes to do it. Um, you know, it, Louisville scored easily there for what five or six minutes straight, um, almost every possession, and it's basically what NC State did down in Raleigh. It's you know spread you out and attack you. And I don't know, I, that really can't be fixed. You're not going to bring DeAndre Hunter or Braxton Key in at this point in the season. Um, and that guy's not on the roster currently. But 
I mean, it just shows you to me, like to make the pack line work, you've got to have that guy who can almost switch all five positions um, just for teams that want to spread you out. Um, but yeah, for the good stuff, like, you know, Beekman, Beekman's defense, like, you know, he, he is a elite guard defender. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit at times late against Wake Forest and then late against NC State. Um, but look, for the most part, I don't know if they're a better on the ball defender um, at his size in the in the ACC right now. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be it's going to be one of those seasons where you you have a head scratching loss and followed up with a win. I mean, that, that stat that they haven't lost back to back games as many losses they have this year is kind of kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like where Beekman's going. I thought Shedrick is like, I was getting on Shedrick pretty good in the text thread, but he stepped up late. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of heavy hitting games coming up. So we'll see if this team has truly kind of taken a step forward. Uh, I don't know that they have, I just think they're, when they make a couple of shots and when they get a couple of breaks, they'll have a chance to win some games. Um, maybe one game, everything will click and they'll, They'll surprise us. Um, Damon, let's go to you next. Beekman obviously is a is is for me the focal point. Um, but it was a shorter rotation. Uh, I'm curious what uh what your your sort of takeaway was from it. Well, I have a I have a thought on the uh the rotation, but I don't wanna I think it's also something Ferber would like to discuss. So I, okay. I'm not going to uh all right, we'll, we'll let him if, if he yeah, if he doesn't bring it up, I will I will circle back to that point. But uh, I he had mentioned earlier that he wanted to to discuss it. So but no, I uh I am interested to see now moving forward, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week, but I'm interested to see now moving forward that second half. The first half offensively wasn't very pretty for Caden Shedrick, he, uh, but the second half he hit some buckets down the stretch. Uh, the dunks, obviously, but but some other ones too, um, in some pretty key spots. And so over these last ten games and into the ACC tournament, I'm interested to see how he. It feels like he's slowly starting to put the pieces together, even just from the first half to the second half on Monday night, it kind of felt that way to me. And I'm interested to see now moving forward, if he can continue to build off some of that success that he's had, because that's kind of been his deal. I mean, that's been this whole team's deal is that it hasn't been able to build off success from one night to the next and, and get more consistent on a night to night basis. Um, but Beekman, Beekman's so much fun to watch uh, to your point. Yeah. It's just, I can't remember the last time they had a defender the, who was just as disruptive as he is um, the way he can get into passing lanes and deflect things and disrupt all kinds of stuff. Um, and to me, Beekman and Shedrick are the two most important pieces going into next year of the guys who we know are going to be back um, needing to continue to develop here down the stretch and be foundational pieces that you build around going into next year that you add more scoring around going into next year. So, yeah, I, I came away from that second half um, on Monday night, just, just more excited about Shedrick. And just like I said, kind of this sense that maybe it's like, you know, they're like little Lego blocks. The pieces are kind of coming together and, and the house is starting to take shape. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see, if he can continue that trend down the stretch here. I've always been an unabashed Shedra guy. I think that 
you know, when you look at how sick he was and, and how tough it was for him to keep, you know, not just to, to stay healthy, but just, you know, to keep working out. I mean, there was, a you know, not just seeing the floor, but just being able to do anything to keep the weight on and stuff. I, I think you've seen him sort of go through a lot of the sort of progressions that guys sort of go through. But normally this is something that happens over the course of a you know a year or so, right? This is happening for all for him in, in a kind of compacted time, and you can see moments where it, it it all makes sense, and then you you also can see moments where you know he's a he's 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 not necessarily getting sped up. It's almost like he's 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 he thinks he's further along in the thing than he is. Like his comfort level, you know, all of a sudden will just evaporate quickly, right? And it's like. He, he doesn't look like he's played much, and then all of a sudden he, he will look like he has. So that inconsistency, it kind of speaks to this whole team, right? Like, they are an inconsistent bunch. Um, when they're when they're in point in the right direction, um, offensively, they, they especially if Beekman is, is able to, to get to the paint, especially if, uh, I mean, it, it kind of feels bad. It kind of, it's kind of wrong that he, you know, he had such a nice shooting day the other day. Um, but realistically, I mean, he's a point guard, and, and, and on this team, Kihei Clark really is the two, which is not a sentence I have ever really expected to say. Um, but in the big in the big picture, Beekman being able to get, I think, what, a quarter of their defensive rebounds in the game, that's wild to me. Um, you know, he's a guy who seems to do a lot of the things, and um, those things are important. Um, there's no way around that. And I know for a lot of people, because of sort of where the season is and the big picture – Folks are looking ahead, right? Virginia's got one of the best recruiting classes in the country. Guys that are going to, you know, going to demand immediate playing time, right? And it's hard not to get excited about a kid like Beekman with guys like that. Um, but then you look around and you see, you know, there, there is, there is a lot of talent on this team. Now they just can't all, like I said, they can't always get it pointed in the right direction, and that, that's going to be their challenge. Um, they're going to play better teams. Uh, the ACC is weird this year, um, so it's going to be an interesting sort of next month and change Ferber, What was the, what's the thing Damon is alluding to? What do you want to, where do you want to go with this? Oh man, I've been set up again. Um, <laughs> again, who set you up the first time? Oh no. I mean, honestly, it's just a continuation of what we said last week. I feel like they should give more of Cody's minutes to the younger guys discuss. <laughs> discuss. Well, I'll, I'll jump on that. Um, <laughs> look, 12 minutes for Cody Statman is not, necessarily a big deal right the reality is though that nine of or excuse me eight of them came in the first half um and i don't know if i'm looking at the big picture if that's that i don't know we can get into like the rotation situation and whatnot but in this game uva only played eight you know what seven eight dudes right and i mean i would like to have seen uh milicic i would like to have seen tay murray uh, but I, I, after our conversation last week, something that's been on my mind is like, but I mean, really what you can only squeeze with so much water from the stone, right? Um, on some level, like this is just who they are and Statman at least gives them length. That's the thing that they don't really have, right? Is it length and mobility? And I mean, that's, you know, he's, he's what they've got. Um, now I thought it was interesting. I don't know if you guys have uh, noticed this or not, but Milchus is now, he used to warm up with the guards. He now warms up with the bigs. And I don't know when that switched, um, and I don't know if that really means anything. But it seemed interesting to me, at least, that maybe there's a, a shift in terms of the way that they view him. Um, my guess is if he's doing that kind of stuff, he's doing different sort of drills. He's not dribbling the ball as much, right, for you know, example. He's, he, in pregame, he's, he's finishing around the rim while Isaiah Wilkins hacks him, 
right? Like that's a different sort of mindset as to what you're going to be expected to do if you should go in the game. Um, so, I mean, I would like to see some younger guys too, but I feel like Statman probably plays by almost like default at this point. Um, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing some other guys get some looks. Um, anybody else got anything to say about the minutes for, for Cody? Well, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, my thing is just like, I, I get it. Like I, I, I understand how they get with to him being in the lineup as much as he is, but, um, I don't know. I guess I think I was talking, maybe it was with the whole group of maybe it was just Dave. I can't remember after the game on Saturday and it's like, all right, at some point, and obviously they turned around at one the other night, but um, it's like, at what point do you start to sort of, I'm not saying give up on the season or anything, um, but like turn the page and start saying like, how do we, how do we like use this time to also think about the future of the, players on the roster and um i don't think tony's wired that way right he's just too competitive to like he's not he's just gonna be like what do i need to do to win this game yes and it's like if that if that means i have to win 42 to 39 cool if that means i have to try to win a higher scoring game cool but he's just gonna try to like he'd rather like eke out and i'm not saying this is a criticism He'd rather eke out like a 17 and 13 season than go 16 and 14. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, and that makes total sense, but I think he's just, that, that's why he's such a good coach probably is because he's so competitive. But And when's the last time he coached a game where he was, or coached a season when he was worried about anything but the next game? Usually yeah, we're talking about right, a the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. Usually we're talking about a team yeah. that's competing for an ACC title, competing for the top seed in the, uh, conference tournament like this this is relatively unfamiliar territory for him yeah i mean i guess i mean if you want to the devil's argument here um for, for cody getting playing tom it's like no one on that roster other than kihei really has any experience you know because shedrick hasn't played a whole lot franklin's new to the system gardner's new to the system uh reese is a year and a half into the system i think tony talked a little bit about that in the press conference like so Cody's got more experience in the pack line than just about everyone other than Kihei. Um, and look, I, I know one developed Murray and Milicic because look, I'm I'm pro doing it. But you know, if you want to look at the other side of the argument, everyone else on that roster could be back next year. So if you're trying to develop next year's team, when you add the pieces coming in, the guys who are more likely to be helping are probably on the floor in these games. Um, even if you get Milicic and Murray some minutes. I don't, I don't know how many are there for him next year. Um, so, I mean, if, if you want to make Tony's argument, you know, an argument for not doing, I think that's it. But, um, and at some point, I think there'll be a game where one of them comes in just like there has, and they'll hit a couple shots and they'll get some minutes. But I mean, we, we know it like historically short of injury or illness, the rotation you see now is going to be the rotation. Yeah. Um, that, that's just the way it is and yeah i mean i feel look, like it's worked it's frustrating point. but it's it works you know yeah i mean i i definitely don't feel like my my uh suggestion is going to be listened to or anything <laughs> and honestly like i'm not at practice so i can't tell you how bad the new guys are on defense right um yeah that that has to go with what i see with my eyes during games but i mean you know you mentioned cody having more experience i mean kind of like it's not like he's played a lot in games until now. No, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, and even this year, it's not like he's playing a ton of games. So um, honestly, it's not my biggest 
like it, I'm not going to sit here and be like the season's wasted or anything like that because they don't get Tane Murray a few more minutes. But well, I've got a ton um, of experience watching the pack line. I feel like I could play in it, but you probably don't want me to. Yeah, like, right. I, mean, I think that's kind of where you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they could they could have me sit on the bench for four years, and I still wouldn't be good. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. but you know, like it is what it is. I think we talked about this last week, and, and it was on display on Saturday, like, um, and kind of on on uh, was it Monday? Um, they just are what they are. Like, you know, they're gonna they're the ACC is in a place where like they can go out and beat pretty much anybody because none of these teams are really that good, um, except for Duke. I mean, and then, and then they can also lose to anybody. And then, I mean, like the way they lost to NC State wasn't even like competitive after the first like ten minutes of the game. And that's just because like that's just where everybody is. And UVA usually can stay above the fray and win. Like this is how they go seventeen and three. They just beat all those teams. But now they they're not good enough to do that. So they're gonna yo-yo back and forth for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just wonder. Maybe I'm a homer. Uh, I am. Um, how many coaches in the ACC do you think would have this Virginia team at six and four right now? I know they haven't played the <laughs> toughest ACC schedule. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I'll um, give it we, to Kay. Like as much as I don't like now, him. Like, normally, if he had to coach, yeah. he could probably figure it out. And normally, I would us. say normally I would say like nobody, but I also don't know that. <laughs> I don't know that like the way that UVA is playing basketball is really what's making them win. I think they're just winning because they're just like playing a little bit better. Um, than yeah. the team they're playing. So you don't um, think Chris Mack could uh, pull this it's off? Not like, it's not like they're, like, shutting teams down. Like, yeah. you know, so yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I do think that, like, they play slow probably helps a little bit. Um, yeah, and yeah, it does. Just, you know, like, shorten the game. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I think Tony definitely would be better than, like, I don't know, Jeff Cable. Um, I kind of feel yeah. like Chris Mike Mack. Bray. <laughs> listen, Mike Bray would have, like, Milicic uh, – yeah, he would have a totally different lineup. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be losing they'd like be, ninety-five to eight. Exactly, yeah. they'd be running and ripping. Um, you know, you'd have think about me like back cuts and whatnot. Milicic would be running. Um, Leonard Hamilton would be disgusted. <laughs> I, I also no like not not to make this like too negative, but I think we'll see. You know, like make I might look stupid in a few weeks, but I think part of that. What are they six and four? Yeah, I think a lot of that is just who they played. Um. Like I don't think they're I don't think they're like a two and six team or something like that, but I mean like who have they beaten? Um, Virginia Tech, who is two and seven, Clemson, who they also lost to by like seventeen, Syracuse, who is not good. Louisville is the best team they've beaten. Yeah, it's uh, like Syracuse isn't good. Louisville just fired their coach <laughs> today, um, you know. So it's not exactly like a murderer's row of you know teams. And the reason I say that is because look at what's coming. Um, yeah. You have Duke twice, Miami twice, Notre Dame this weekend, Florida State, Virginia Tech again, even though they suck. Um, and, you know, you get the idea. Like, we'll see where they end up. I don't think they're, the bottom is going to fall out, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they're halfway home. I don't think, like, 12 and 8 would be a really good finish probably for this team given who they have left to play. But I think they'll probably be more like 10 and 10. One thing I was just thinking was, you know, you, you could you, if you could put a coach – from another team and, and let them that's a fascinating discussion because I you know if you sped UVA up and I've actually thought there were times this season where they were better off when they were not necessarily just running half court stuff right when they got out a little bit and I can just I just that Mike Bray idea um I just keep thinking about like how how many shots Milicic would get because I mean that dude has zero fear 
And Mike Bray loves him, a tall dude who can shoot, you know? Um, I mean, heck, he, he and um, Nate Lashevsky, they have very similar sorts of games, you know? Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, last thing on the basketball front, it's going to, you know, you guys are talking about the schedule and, and business sort of picking up soon. Um, you know, if you look at it, obviously they, they didn't have a, a midweek game this week. They do get the aforementioned Notre Dame Saturday night in South Bend. Um, then they've got to um, come back the next week and host Boston College. I mean, those are two winnable games. Um, by the time Miami comes to town next Saturday uh, evening, um, you know, we, we could be having a similar conversation next week about how they were, you know, weird here and there. Um, but the that inconsistent that consistently inconsistent thing is going to stick with them. Um, what are what's your? I mean, where where do they finish? I I, I just want to track this as we move forward. Um, I, and I'm not asking you necessarily to pick a place or, or, a um, or a record. I don't, I don't think there's any real need to do all that. I'm just curious, like, do you think that they'll be better by season's end than they are now? Or do you think this is who they are and this is where they'll be? And you can give a short answer for this as we wrap up, but I'm just curious, Dave, let's start with you. Do you feel like they stay where they are or do you feel like they're a little bit better or Hey, or maybe even a little worse? Yeah, I think they'll be a little bit better. Just experience is a, a big thing in Tony's system. So, yeah, and as far as like I will guess the record, I'm going to say they're going to finish 12 and 8. All right, Ferber, what about you? I'm an optimist. <laughs> yeah, I don't think 12 and 8 is like off the table. Um, it would just require them to, to sort of win some of their better games, which I think is possible. I mean, I do think they'll be a little bit better by the time the ACC tournament comes around. Um, I think in the back half of the season, they'll probably like pick somebody off or like play a really good close game against Duke or something. And people will be like, Oh, it looks like they're getting better. Um, I think they will be like 11 and nine probably. Um, and if you get to 11 and nine, given what they have left, I mean, there's probably some quality wins in there. All right, Damon, take us home. What do you think? Yeah, I could see a scenario where they're actually playing better, but it might not be reflected in the record just because of who's still waiting on the back half of the schedule. Um, but it does feel like they're still due for one more um, uh, win you don't see coming, whether whether that's one of those Duke games, one of those Miami games. Um, I don't know, the Florida State game at JPJ. But, yeah, 11, 11 and 9 probably seem, feels about right to me. Win five more, 10, 10, 11 and 9, somewhere in there. Um, I don't know. You start looking at that schedule and it's hard to pick out more than four or five. You know, at some point you got to steal one. You've got the the BC game. You've got the uh, the Georgia Tech game. Both of those at home, you would think they were going to win. And then at that point, you're talking about all right, which ones are they going to pick off? Louisville on the road. I don't know. We'll see how that goes, given the you know the mess there. But yeah, I see them somewhere in that ten and ten, eleven and nine range. Um, but yeah, I fully expect them to be better playing better basketball a month from now than they are now. Tony Bennett's teams always go into March playing their best basketball. Uh, whether it'll be reflected in the record or not, we'll see if they can pull one or two of these off. All right. That is a good place to put a pin in it. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined to give us a rating and review, we appreciate that. Now, if you're somebody who found the pod, has not given us a look at the website yet, you can check out CavsCorner.com. Right now, Damon has a story with uh, Matt Theis and um, uh, Connor Jones talking about their Hall of Fame inductions on the baseball side. And then there's a whole lot of commit reaction. Um, just 
just left and right, just dudes talking about committing. Uh, and uh, I, I have that aforementioned column, uh, and obviously, um, you know, there's a, a there were a significant number of visitors last weekend who were signees, guys who had already you know chose chosen UVA. Sorry, um, so definitely give all those links in your podcast app of choice a look as well. All right, uh, I want to let's see. Uh, real quick, visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. My thanks to them for their support of the podcast and of the website. And again, I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. And I want to thank Dave, Justin. Wow, I called him Justin. Dave Ferber and Damon for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence, Justin Ferber, and Damon Dillman, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.